and welcome. It's the Filmmakers Podcast. The podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films, everything in between. <laughs> how to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to fuck it up in our very, 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 very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about how to make a romantic indie film, a rom-com, build buzz around it and turn your short film into a feature. I'm Giles Alderson, producer of the horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness, and the psychological horror feature film The Dare, which stars Richard Brake, who's just rapped on Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. Uh, Bart Edwards, who's starring in Unreal on TV right now. Richard Short, who is starring in Mary Kills People. Harry Jarvis, who's starring in the upcoming Two Hours and Midsummer Night's Dream. Mitchell Norman who's in Netflix's The Alienist right now. That is some of my cast. There's loads more. Oliver Cunliffe. There's Deborah Wilde. Alexander Evans. The list goes on. You know what I mean? It's great. It, go, it goes it on. Goes it on. goes on. So I'm really excited to tell you more and more about that as we gear up to the release of The Dare. Um, so uh, do check some of my cast out while you're waiting. Follow them on Twitter. Give them a little nudge. I can't wait for the dare. Why not? We're coming at you from Just Voices Studio. It's a brilliant studio, you know. It's reasonably priced, as you know. And if you want that central London studio without the central London prices, then you know the place to go. It's here. It's justvoicesagency.com. Speak to Simon. Speak to Lee. Get it sorted out. It's it's great here. They'll it's a stone's you. throw from Victoria State. Literally, you can stand in Victoria Coach Station. You can throw a stone and hit the place. I reckon you should try it. I reckon you should yeah, go no, and try no. it and see what happens. In a minute. It's a and when you smash the window and they say you have to pay for that, you say, well, the Filmmakers Podcast said I could yeah. do it and try it. So it's a, We're doing a Mythbusters type thing. Don't, yeah. yeah, don't sue. Don't sue. Don't yeah. sue. You've heard him already. It's a wonderful dusted tone and the wonderfully luscious locks of Christian oh. James is my co-host today, the wonderful director of the brilliant indie film Freak Out, the brilliant indie film Stall, uh, the wonderful short film Goblin and the soon-to-be-released Fanged Up co-written by the lovely and delightful Dan Palmer, who also wrote Stalled. And it's starring... That's it. No, just starring. Yeah, uh, Dan Palmer's in it, right? Yeah, I wouldn't, he's not starring. I'd say more of a no, cameo. but he's in it. Oh, he's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. The film stars Stephen Burkoff. Yes. Lauren Soccer. Yes. Bass Blackwood. Yes. Daniel Harold. Uh-huh. Stu Bennett. Yep. And Daniel O'Reilly. Check. Boom. Cannot wait. Christian James. How you doing? Giles, pleasure, as always. Uh, yeah, good, buddy. Good. I've not seen you. For a while, been, people haven't heard your voice on this podcast. It's been too long. I've been away. So I, I, I was doing a TV series, mm. an episode of a TV series in Denmark. Yep, lovely. Then I came back, and no sooner had I got back, I think two days later, I got shipped out to Abu Dhabi to do a little commercial out there. I love it. Uh, it was very. It's kind of like I had a little David Lean moment. Like I was in the desert with us, like shouting action. I had like camels and what? And I had Sophia the robot. What? You know the you know the Will Smith uh, his uh, YouTube channel. He's just done an interview with Sophia the robot. And she's all about. She's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Sophia. Well, the she robot. was there. She was there. No, no she, she was doing? in the ad. Oh, she was in the ad. It was. This it was is an a big. Ad. This is a big time ad you've just directed. I don't know, big time. But wow, it was. It was, it's it was a fear a, the robots in yeah. it, and you're <laughs> David Lean esque. Yeah, camels. You know. and we had race tracks and race cars. It was good fun. Yeah. Wow. Like box of tricks. It was good. Fun. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, can you say who it's for? No. I will say it's for a very prominent airline. Uh, let's say that. Yeah. And, and since you you're in Abu Dhabi, maybe people can work it, it out. Who you've it got was. one of two to choose from. Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, then. So it'll be out soon for people to see as well. No, I guess so, yeah. Do you know, these, I, I, half the time I make these things, I don't know where they go. No? I mean, well, TV, you, uh, YouTube, etc. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And Fanged Up will be out soon. Uh, so Fanged Up is potentially out, mm. maybe, possibly, the last time I heard, <laughs> it's out in uh, September. So we'll Amazing. see, uh, you know, watch your space. Could be similar time to The Dare. I say The Dare might not be out, but The Dare might be screening there. They might be box office rivals. Oh, that's, that's unlikely. That would be kind of like weird if that Wouldn't it be? We'd be like, no, go see my film. <laughs> yeah, this would be for a very interesting podcast. Mate, what would be great, though? That we get our fucking films out. That's Who true. cares? That'd be not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rivals, yeah. Like, great. They're rivals. Even it better. would be a nice problem to have. It would the be a wrap on the same day. They did wrap on the same day. Uh, they, yeah. They, they, the weirdest thing is, wasn't it? They we were started the and they wrapped same day. And I, I didn't know you were making a film. You didn't yeah. know I was making a film. Yeah. We both kept it. I think it's had a lot of lot full of things, stars, false starts. Yeah. Would they happen? Would they? So not? we both shut up and kept quiet. And, and next thing, because I remember, I think it's the podcast before, but I remember going online to go, mm. I'm going to just drop this fucking mic, you know. Uh, look what I've been doing. I'm going to do a mic drop and sort of like, yeah. look, look, yeah, I'm, I'm making a film, motherfuckers. Uh, and I went to <laughs> put it online. I was like, hey, what's this on my feed? 
But Giles is making a feature film. You twat, Giles. <laughs> you totally stole my thunder. And it was before we were doing the podcast as well. Yeah. So as much as we were mates and we were always speaking to each other, we hadn't contacted each other. It's one of those gaps. Yeah. So yeah, it's exciting times, mate. We're making yeah. movies. We're making movies. Yeah. Uh, our new segment's called Indie Filmmakers Shoutouts. As you know, we want to support indie filmmakers like ourselves. So if you've got your Kickstarters or your screenings or your fundraisers, let us know and we'll shout about it. We'll shout about it on here, won't we? Yeah. That's what it's about. Um, Matt Hooking's and Dom Lemoire's film, Winter Ridge, is coming out soon. They've been working yeah. their ass off, you know, making feature films. Their trailer just dropped. Their trailer for their film. Go check it out. Have a look. These guys work hard. Um, it's so important to do that. It really is. So our shout-outs this week go to Hickory Titan. Thank you for retweeting. Thank you for supporting. These are the shout-outs just to the people who love us and retweet and are cool as fuck. Go Hickory. Uh, the Last Hurrah film team. You guys, thank you. Angela Svensson, Michael Hall, Mel Carter Gina, Claire BRT, indie film fan, uh, Scott Michael Wagstaff, the screenwriter Sarah Thomas, uh, Nina Christofferson, the Buff Geek Podcast, the 365 Flicks Podcast. Listen to those guys as well. There's some really cool stuff on their podcasts. They also interview filmmakers as well. Really cool. Uh, Namita Kabilis and the James Hughes. Uh, go follow them. Find them on Twitter. Retweet their stuff. They'll follow you back. Why not? Yes, yeah. guys, follow me and I'll follow you back. Do it. CJ. Or maybe I'll follow you following me. Let's work. We'll work it out. Yeah, Let's exactly. We're a small band of indie filmmakers. Let's club together. Let's make this shit happen. Let's all rise up together. We can be the next um, Spielberg and. Um, you, next, you can uh, be the other one. Who's the other one? <laughs> Lucas, right? You, Jolly good. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really rock a check shirt. So. I'd take that career as a husband. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I, you know, I like, oh, I've got to be Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to have, the, like, oh, <laughs> I have to be Lucas. Everyone's going, yeah, <laughs> I'll take Lucas any day. Right, Marsden's Beer Town Festival. Um, well done to all those that entered. Um, you heard about it maybe on the podcast, maybe you didn't. Maybe you found it another way. But those who entered and got in, congratulations. Here are the, some of our listeners who got selected. Uh, Will Kenning and his Bob Leonard film, well done. Vanessa Bailey for her Seeing Him film. Uh, James Hughes for The Inuring, which stars Emily Haig, who also has her film, Run Rabbit, film as well. Uh, the Divine Tattooist has A War to End No Wars. And Dan Lee with his film, Fort Box. I think that's his film, Fort, Fort Box. Box. He didn't say, he's got quite a few films, so I wasn't sure Is which it one Fort it was. Is it Fort, F-O-R-T, or Thought, as in, I think of Thought, I Thought of Thought. Uh, F-O-R-T, Fort head. Box. Oh, Fort, F-O-R-T. Yeah, okay. again, Fort follow Box. these guys. And my film made it as well, The Heart of the Forest. Uh, hey, drop that in at the end, <laughs> Kalunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just spoke to the uh, organisers, who had nothing to do with selection, by the way, so don't think there's any favouritism <laughs> yeah. there, who said that, yeah, there was an overwhelming number of people who entered, so... Um, they're whittling it down to an even shorter, shorter list, and they're going to get played on the evening of the 26th of May, uh, where they're also showing Rogue One as well, up in Burton at their Beartown Film Festival. I hope I'm going to be there. If I'm not shooting a TV series, I will be there. Uh, and you can come say hello. I'd love that. So joining us today to talk about making his excellent romantic comedy, Modern Life is Rubbish, is Daniel Jerome Gill. Hello, welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, Daniel has worked as a production assistant, assistant director, either as a third, second or first on many TV shows and films, including Da Vinci's Demons, Game of Thrones, Lair Cake, Pride and Prejudice. You might have heard of some of these films. Sunshine, Son of Rambo, love that film. Nanny McPhee Returns, Harry Potter, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, and World War Z, just to name a few. His short film of the feature film Modern Life is Rubbish starred Rave Spall and was part of Ranking's Collaborate programme. And now he's recently made his debut feature film of that short film, Modern Life is Rubbish, uh, both adapted from Philip Gawthorne's award-winning play of the same name. The film stars an array of talent, including... Uh, the leads, Freya Maver, Josh Whitehouse, Ian Hart, Tom Riley, and Daisy Bevan. Uh, it's DOP'd by Tim Siddle. It was produced by Serotonin Films' Dominic Norris. So, welcome, Daniel. Hello. Thank you. Daniel, it's pleasure. Thank a real pleasure, a real pleasure. Right. So this podcast, as you know, is all about helping indie filmmakers make their films, make their first one, keep making films, which is a harder part, selling their films, all that kind of stuff. That's what it's about. So let's start at the beginning with you, because this is a great journey. This yes. is the first time we've had someone on who has worked on so many massive films and now has just made their debut feature film 
after that it's it's a really cool journey how did you start uh yeah it's a it's a cool journey um it's a long journey it's not over yet the, the yeah. journey's still going yeah, yeah. Well. this is the beginning hopefully right? it's the beginning yeah, yeah. um was well, beginning of my my directing career um yeah it started uh it started about i think 15 years ago mm. um and I just started as a runner. Um, right. Film school beforehand, or how did you get even even prior to running? What made you even and start as a runner? Or um, I mean, I I went to university and studied film, um, but it was film theory. So mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we sat and watched. So it's still an interest in film. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was there was definitely an interest in film from a very very early age. Um, you know, probably ten eleven years old. Yeah. Um, I was spending most of my time watching films at home yeah my dad was allowing me to get you know 12 15 18 loving rated him, films loving him already um yeah. and uh, <laughs> i would sit and watch them all night you know and then i would in those days we had blockbusters and yeah. you know mm-hmm. i'd be on to my video dad store. Saying, yeah, yeah right come on let's go because i've watching just watched Chuck those norris's four. film yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> another one so there was de- definitely an early um you know a passion from an early age mm-hmm. and uh the then I went to university and studied film, but it was film theory, so we used to watch films and write about them. There was no oh. actual making of films. And was um, it? Were you thinking at that point, or were you considering what that might translate into, or what were you? I was honestly thinking at that point, why have I done this degree? I could have gone to another place where we would have made short films. You yeah, know? sure. And yeah. I thought to myself, hang on a second, I've just wasted you know three years of my life. Although I, I had a fantastic time, learned so much about film and directors mm. and. Theory theory mm. so that all goes into the psyche which is perfect um, for now but which is time. perfect now but um i think with hindsight and my advice to listeners would be you know don't do the university courses which are film theory mm. although they are useful as we as we discussed but um try and do those courses where you actually physically make something where mm. you've got yeah. whether it's a one minute five minute ten minute short mm-hmm. Uh, that you can take away with you. Yeah, um, get your hands on a camera, so you, get your yeah. hands on writing a script. Yeah, and then I I went away traveling for a year, backpacking the world. Of course, uh, and I said, right, I don't know anybody in the film industry. Mm-hmm. I none none of my parents know any of them. None of my friends know anybody. This is going to be a really long journey and it's going to be a hard slog. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go backpacking for a year. I'm going to get all of that out the way. Where did you go? Where did you go? Rack up some debt, experience the world. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I get back, I'm going to just basically do whatever I can to get in the door. And what did you do? How did you do it? I remember uh, photocopying when I was a runner. Um, I remember photocopying the knowledge, getting a copy of the knowledge and photocopying the first ADs, the second ADs, all of their names and emails. And and I remember firing everybody an email trying to get, you know, trying to get employed as a Mm. runner. Um, And so, you know, for every hundred emails you send, you do actually get one yeah you know one yeah that's enough though which right? is enough because that's that's somebody that employs you and if they like you they bring you on to their next film and then yeah. you meet somebody else and um so you know my advice to listeners is you know you do have to persevere and you do have to you know fire off millions of emails mm-hmm. because you will get a response and that doesn't change no matter what you're doing like no matter what role Absolutely. you're in no matter how yeah. high no. up the ladder you get you will still have to employ that same tactic yeah and you do get you do get one response sometimes or maybe a few right. and and that's and then you capitalize on that and, and if you're a nice person on set and you do a good job like I say you people get, will bring you, you get, back you get used again yeah so so i can't even remember i think all i remember is for work i was working for free at the beginning mm. i was i was living at home so i didn't pay any rent or anything like that i was very fortunate to be in london and not pay any rent mm. and living at home and i just remember in those days you know film was made you know um films were made on film and i just remember part of my job would be taking the rushes to some of the like technicolor and some of those um you know those uh film baths Mm -hmm. um at the end of the night yeah uh and you know driving two hours delivering them and then driving another hour home and not getting paid for it and Mm. the other things would be you know obviously making teas and things like that Mm -hmm. and then what what happens is you you do a few of those short films at the beginning as a runner and you just meet somebody you know there's i think i remember there being a first ad on one of these free short films Mm -hmm. one of these non-paid short films but he worked as an ad in the business and you know he he brought me on to his next um paying job love it and then you start 
getting paid to be a runner mm-hmm. you know so yeah. you you I, my, I would say you probably have to do a little bit of goodwill at the beginning mm-hmm. before you get paid a bit above and beyond you do that yeah. sounds dodgy not in that, <laughs> not way. In that so. way did you think it was the right way to go at the time so obviously you wanted to make films yourself right so yeah. did you think okay this is my way in were you at that time writing stuff were you trying to make your own stuff um i wasn't at that point at that point it was i had no experience in in the physical side of filmmaking mm. and i had no contacts at all i mm. i just literally all i had was okay i knew di- di- who directors and films and theory and all that kind of stuff i i didn't have one one you know door that was open so yeah. i had to go out and knock on loads of doors and and eventually i the beginning i got a job working for a company called recorded picture company okay which is jeremy thomas's production company oh wow yeah uh, and i remember getting a job uh, as their office runner and i spent about 6 months there and i met a whole load of people and they were filming uh, a film called young adam um, mm, yeah, yeah you with you and McGregor yeah, yeah, at the time and i I just found out who the ADs were, who the mm. who the who the ADs were on on that film, um, through some emails that were just you know because I was the office runner, I was uh, look you know I had all the paperwork and sure. stuff. It's you know, amazing. These what are the call sheets you can get isn't yeah. it, when you're the, when you when you're at that level. Like they're just leaving me with all this stuff. So what happened was I. Um, I saw who the first AD was on Young Adam mm-hmm. and uh, a, a lovely man called Mike Elliott, who's now a producer. Nice. Um, and he, he, I emailed him and the second AD called Anthony Wilcox, who's a producer and a director. And they gave me my first job, a paid job as a runner on what's been voted the worst film ever made, <laughs> which is called uh, Sex Lives of the, the Potato, Potato Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Mackenzie Vegas Crook. and um, Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie Crook. Crook. Yeah. yeah. Am is I, that what we use on the to your friends? Oh, I'm working this film. It's going to be really good. Yeah, it's it's going to be the next. My job was runner driver. So what I had to do every day is I had to pick up Mackenzie Crook right. from his house mm. and drive him to set um, every day. Uh, so I got up at five o'clock in the morning. I drove Mackenzie Crook to, to work, to the unit base. Yeah. And, um, and then I would drive throughout the day, picking up other actors. Uh, Mark Gators was somebody I mm-hmm. remember picking up. I used to run and buy water for, for, for the set. And then at the end of the day, I would normally drive um, the rushes to Technicolor in, in right. Denham. Right. And that would be my day. And then I tried as much as possible to get out of the car yeah. and, and, and experience a little on. bit of set. Yeah, of Unfortunately, when you're a runner driver, what happens is people see you and they're like, Hang on a sec, doesn't something need to be picked up? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. shouldn't you and, be in your car? Yeah, right, and yeah. you're you're off. And right. and from that job, Mike and um Anthony bought me on Layer Cake, mm. um, which uh did a similar job. And then and then what happens is, you know, people hear about you and, and you you um I got offered other jobs. And this mm. time it wasn't as a runner driver, it was as a floor runner, which mm. means that you're on set the whole time. So how did you what, get your first big one? What, 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 as in like you got your third ED, like the floor runner position is great. So now you can watch a lot of stuff that's going on. What was the moment when you learned the most and sort of went, I want to do, I want to be a director here? Well, well, while I was, while I was watching all of this, um, I can't, I think it was during Sunshine. Mm. And the, the great thing about Danny, being a runner, oh, yeah, the, I love that the great being the, the great thing about being a runner or a, um, a third AD is that you get to be stood next to you get to see the director mm. quite often, mm. especially on the smaller jobs, the more kind of indie, indie jobs. Films, yeah. I think things like the Marvel films and you know the big ones, yeah. Star Wars. There's about three there's, third ages. there's so many people that <laughs> yeah. you you're behind walls most of the time but mm-hmm. when you're doing the smaller more intimate jobs you get to see what's what they're doing and sometimes you're even standing next to the monitor sort of seeing their reactions and i think that experience has been priceless for me because i've learned different techniques from different directors and you know you get to see a lot of what's going on and during that job i started making my own short films you know what i mean i just mm-hmm. thought right i need to start making my own material here um that's the only way i'm going to ever going to get to directing a film mm-hmm. so i um yeah i just begged borrowed and stilled and uh made made short films and you know little promos and things like that amazing and, um, was it working with a lot of the crew that were around yeah great 
what actually happened was I everybody who I met and everybody who I connected with I um I just stayed in touch with them and then when it got to the point where I was making my short films I would say look can you come and work for a weekend with me you know modern life is rubbish the short film mm -hmm. the budget was two thousand pounds mm. nobody got paid mm. we got the um all the equipment uh ari gave us the equipment for free um the only thing we paid for i think was food insurance materials petrol you know we, money raised from uh, is it your own money or it, it was money? just money that i you know saved because yeah. you know from working, working yeah. and and whatnot yeah. and and i and we and we did it like that and it, it's amazing how many people are willing to help you you mm. know um with crew actors um even equipment houses you know they're they're, they're up for helping young mm. filmmakers and they're up for um you know lending a hand you know how did you get Rafe Spall into the short film of um, um I, I I got Rafe Spall into the film because I was working on a film called Scouting Book for Boys and I was the second AD on that film yeah. and um Tom Harper is the director and uh he we just got on very well you know as a second AD you work very closely with the actors mm -hmm. and we got on very well I remember we were staying in a um a caravan park so it was filmed at a caravan park and everybody stayed in their own caravan mm -hmm. so it was a really nice intimate movie and um you know at the end of each day the crew used to go for you know drinks in the bar and me, me and Rafe used to play pool most of the night until until we had to go to bed and get get up for the next day and and I just literally rang him up and said look Rafe you know it was, it was months and months and months after the film after we were working on that film and i said look i'm finally putting together this movie here's the script can you be in it for two days so you had that kind of relationship where you could you didn't feel like you were overstepping them um i didn't i mean i didn't see him after the film uh, after scouting book for boys sure. um but i just you know i think you've you know as young my advice to young filmmakers is you've got to be you've got to be bold you yeah. know you've so got there's a to, bit of risk involved potentially but you you've sort of sorted yeah i think i think you can cross the line a little bit I, you and, have to right mm. if you didn't you wouldn't have got well, it's very hard to get talent because mm. you know you have to go through their agents and especially if there's no, sure. no money involved mm. so sometimes you just have to be a little bit bold you know future um fortune favors the bold absolutely and you just um rafe is a lovely guy and he agreed to come and work for free and spend his whole weekend making Amazing. my my little um you know 13 minute short film mm -hmm. and um you know that short film i think it went on to Going, it was in about 45 fi film festivals in the world. It premiered at the London BFI Film Festival. It won awards. It was in LA, mm -hmm. um, Canada, all over the world. It had a great, um, great life. And obviously, yeah. I've got to thank people like Rafe Spore and all the crew and the camera houses and all the people that spent that those two days mm -hmm. and um, Making made that you. film my friend gave me his apartment his uh his his flat came home from work and there were lights everywhere and cameras <laughs> he thought it was just going to be a, a small you know canon 5d <laughs> yeah. with a with with someone holding a boom you know mm -hmm. yeah and i do remember that night i had to the landlord the landlord was called uh, because <laughs> oh, no. it was basically a film set you know so it was like a party. somebody's yeah, flat. Like, yeah and i had to get down on my knees and beg her to let me film for the next day because really? she was really? she wanted to pull the plug yeah oh that would have literally pull the plug I like lights coming literally. out literally so um you, you you just have to you just have to beg borrow and steal i know it, i know it's a cliche but you just have to do that you mm. know you, and you just have to be bold and That's and great. get out and do it so true what's really interesting your path is you're in a very unique position which i think many of the directors we've had on the podcast haven't been in whereby you've seen so many directors work so you'd have seen like mistakes being made and mm. is there anything you've seen and we don't expect to name names but any productions you've been on where you've been privy to stuff you've had quite a fortuitous window into yeah you must have been watching some brilliant filmmakers and some some bad ones you see money being spent on a grand scale and low budget so you've sort of seen everything and i think a lot of that's quite priceless as a director yeah i think i mean one of the things i definitely learned is that planning when you're making a film is is very important mm. some directors they come in with no shot list um with no storyboards with no plan at all they block they do what's called a block with the actors where mm. the, the actors come in to the set and they 
it's just the director and the actors, all the crew are behind the, the, the set doors and they, they block the scene with the actors and they work out what's happening there. Then they call the DOP in and say, how are we going to, how are we going to construct this scene? And, um, and they start filming it. And some people like to work in that organic fashion. Uh, for me and from what I can understand, a lot of the successful directors do is that they, they cleverly plan, um, the, the, um, the scenes and, and and what they're going to be filming that day through shot lists through storyboards mm. um and then uh and then if things change or if if new ideas come in and this happened to me very often on set you know there's still it's not like we're locked into anything mm, yeah. you know we you know and you have to adapt because there are certain times where you run out of time and your shot list is throw, is ripped to pieces mm-hmm. and you've got no time to do all of that and you have to work out how to do it you know there are some shots in my film that was shot in one take, in one shot, because we literally had no time, right. you know, yeah. and and it works. Mm-hmm. So sometimes with hindsight, you're like, "That's amazing." Exactly. Yeah, just, sometimes it just does work. Those things that you're like, "Oh God, it's not going it to actually does work." Yeah, and we, and I remember actually with the short film, there were lots of shots that I had to drop um, mm. because we we ran out of time. We shot that short film in two days, mm-hmm. and you can't ask people like Rafe to work beyond a the time, time because the, it's taking he's, the al- piss. he's already yeah. agreed to work for free and, mm-hmm. and dedicate and if you haven't got your to shit together he's like well look oh, come on yeah, you know, yeah. so you, we had to drop things and actually you know when we got to the edit it worked out better than if we had those shots yeah. so mm-hmm. um you i think a lot of directors you know like planning um there are directors like andrew arnold who i've worked mm-hmm. with who um, is is a lot more organic and I, I love her style and I definitely learned a lot from her with the way that she gets performances out of actors. I mean, one of the things that I did in Modern Life is Rubbish is, um, and this is something that I think Andrea does, is that we, we didn't rehearse that much, but we spent a lot of time discussing the character and the history of the character. Mm-hmm. And I gave the actors two moleskin books and said, right, you go off and I want you to write your whole entire life in these books and nice. come back in a few days and we'll discuss it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they did an amazing... And they all did that? or did you, just um, I just did it with um, the, the, the lead, to yeah. the, yeah. Josh Whitehouse and Freya Maver. They did yeah. that and they... Um, they they did an amazing job of plan- like basically constructing their character from scratch yeah. and um filled this whole book with every element of their life and what things like what their favorite colors are and their favorite songs and when they first dated their first boyfriend or girlfriend mm. and who it was and what their names are we went down into wow. really precise detail yeah and then the other thing we did was we i thought to myself how am i going to get these two to actually be in love with each other yeah. i mean they're wonderful actors and they they did that on screen but it's very hard when you get two strangers in a room and you have to create this um love affair on day oh, one the chemistry yeah. yeah so we you know we i did certain techniques where i would get them to be blindfolded on the first day and just sort nice. of hold each other's hands or cuddle mm. each other or lie on each other and have you seen um, this elsewhere i mean what inspired that i can't remember i haven't seen that with a director before i yeah. may have read i may have read a book once about rehearsing techniques and thought this is a this is this is a great idea because yeah. yeah. it, it just it just sort of um gets you through those barriers really quickly you know mm. what i mean um i mean obviously they they're brilliant actors and they 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 help show that chemistry they are brilliant actors and there's so much chemistry going on it's wonderful but i think a lot of that is hopefully some of the stuff that we did in the rehearsal room which Mm -hmm. was the construction of character the breaking the barriers i sent them out on dates every night to to gigs and you know um, brilliant nightclubs and and things like that how much rehearsal time did you have then we had a week i had a week with the actors um was that planned part of the budget yeah oh i definitely that's enough yeah i mean really rare and, and even rarer nowadays to get yeah, to keep rehearsal time. Yeah, I mean that wasn't all just with me. That was the whole time I had with all the cast. So mm, yeah, like there might have been two days with Josh and Freya. Then there would have been half a day with you know the band, and then you mm. know a bit of time with um, Ian Hart who plays the Curve. So we, and, and then in between all that, I w- I've got all the other meetings going on. Um, you know, with hair and makeup and art and whatnot. So course, yeah. it's kind of um, it was all compressed into into. Oh, one I see what week. you mean. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that's still great because. And you can say, right, I've got to do this for a little bit. I've got to look at costumes. You go off on a date, go have a lunch date. You hold hands, exactly. close your eyes <laughs> yeah. and, and do it this way. Great. In terms of going from your short film, which you'd written uh, and it done really well at the festivals and to turn that into a, a feature film, which I know a lot of our listeners would 
love to do with their short films and people go oh i don't know how to do it it's good how did you go about it how did it happen for you well i think the film did so well on the festival circuit Mm. that people a lot of people turned around and said have you thought about making it into a feature and phil gawthorn the writer and i were like no we we actually had another feature idea in the pipeline um and we were we were kind of sort of thinking about that um and then um we got some investment we got a very small amount to to write it um and so phil and i mapped out the story and i remember we were at the the, we were at the Cannes Film Festival and we had our film in the short film corner, film corner, yeah. which is, you don't win any awards. It's no. not really at the Cannes Film Festival. It's <laughs> yeah. a sort of, yeah. it's just, people say it's my a, film's at Cannes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a oh, corner. Yeah. It's yeah. a corner of a room. It's a corner of a room. <laughs> On yeah. a screen, yeah. little computer screen. But we thought, <laughs> let's go to Cannes. We got a film there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And let's have some fun. And I just remember us getting a bit drunk and we were, we couldn't get a cab to where, to some nightclub that we managed to get entrance yeah. into, uh, which was m- quite far out of Cannes. And we ended up just walking and on that walk, we mapped out the story of modern life as rubbish the feature yeah. and then phil you know we went back to london and phil sat down for a month and wrote it and right. um and then you know i would chip in on my notes and we would do a few drafts and then we we um i was quite fortunate because at that time i was repped by um a uh, agent at independent talent um, mm. for for my short films yeah. and then he then um, started up this company called 42 yeah 42 um, are now huge and um so i already had an agent and once we got this script we sent it to to him um and my my other agent at the time um you know to the company and they um I, they sent it out to a few people and one of the people that really responded was universal pictures uh, mm. they really liked the script they really liked the short mm-hmm. and um then Phil and I had meetings with lots of producers and we went with this great producer, uh, Dom Norris, um, and we had this universal deal, but it wasn't enough. And then he raised the rest of the, f- the, f- the funding um, uh-huh. and, um, and, we, and we made it, you know, and it, was, it, was, it took many, many years because when you're making a, an indie short film, you normally need cast attached mm. um, for any of the investors to, to, to really, you know, to to confirm investment uh, and we, at one point we had sam claflin and Gemma arterton attached wow but we couldn't get the final investment um so then they went away and and did other stuff and we lost them and then we had to recast and then we lost some investors and we had to get investors again so right. it took about three or four years to actually get it all together that moment when it finally happened and you're going oh my god i've got a week's rehearsal with my crew and i'm talking about costume and i'm talking about set and where i'm going to shoot it did that feel surreal at that point that you're actually going to be making your first feature film uh yeah it was pretty crazy i mean i was i was working on i was working as crowd second ad uh, on the crown series one love the crown we had ben Ben carroll the director chatting to him about it so i was the i don't know if if people know what that job is but it's you know my my job would be sheep herding (laughs) well to work with the directors and cast the right extras mm-hmm. and supporting artists for for the for, for the scenes and to work with costume and makeup and you know get them fitted and organized and you know manage the the the, the budget it's, it's it a mini a, production unit yeah itself, isn't it, it is yeah, yeah. It, and it's quite you know there were there were thousands of extras on that film so it was quite a it was quite a big job and it was a great mm-hmm. job and i loved it and about halfway through the job i think it was you know, like a nine month job. And I think halfway through, I got a call from the um, producer and he said, we finally got the funding. Wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, you know, you're going to have to leave your job. You know, <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Yeah. We're going to be starting in two weeks. Shit. And we had this, we had this, um, <laughs> we had this window because I think Freya was unavailable after a certain date. Yeah. So it was like, either we do it in two weeks or we have to recast, which mm. can wow. take and months. And then months yeah. to find that I guess connection. that affects financing like that stuff as well. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. so it was, it was one of those things where it was right. Okay. It's now is the time. Mm. And that was, so I had to sort of apologize to the producers and the AD team on the crown um so it was a little bit you know it was a little bit weird mm. um plus the fact because it was an indie film i didn't know if it was actually going to 
um, happen because um, as you may or may mm-hmm. not know in film you know you can be halfway through filming a film and things can just fall yeah, yeah, down it's happened it? to friends yeah. a lot recently yeah, yeah it's it's yeah they've... so there was that added anxiety yeah. um, and I know that when I pulled the plug with with the with the crown and went off and did um, prep on my feature mm-hmm. we didn't have everything wasn't all the contracts weren't signed. We Ooh. didn't have all the finance. It was, it was all pending. You know yeah. what I mean? So a, a yeah. huge leap of faith on your part. Yeah, it was. A, it was definitely a risk. And I just remember me and Dom on day one in, um, in in these studios in East London, um, five um, three mil studios, mm-hmm. sitting in a small office trying to find HODs for our film. You know, and that must have been so nice though to ring up. The guys you'd worked with in the past, yeah. right? Some of them, and well, I mean, them jobs. I, I tried to, but a lot of them were busy. Oh, a lot right. of them were working, yeah. or or they couldn't do it for the rate we, we oh, were see. offering. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. but we got an amazing, you know, group of HODs, um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for everything you know that they did. You know, and, so um, nice. And we and yeah, it was a five week shoot, right? Okay. Shot in over fifty five locations in London. Right. Uh, in five weeks um, when did you and when did you shoot we shot um th- i'm not sure on the date it was about a year and a half ago i think yeah um and it was uh i think it was october so okay. a tough time of year to shoot as well weather wise and it was really tough because i wanted it to be sunnier i wanted yeah. it to be mm. summer you know or spring and it was really hard and mm. you know some of the sequences i just wish they were you know not grey cloud although yeah. I'll, I'll do, do you look it. at it now I mean at the time it kills you when you're shooting it but do you look at the edit now and think ah oh, I don't know what I'm so worried about or is it still there for you uh, I I still wanted the, the blue skies and, yeah. and the yeah. sunshine um, yeah. and you know we got we, we actually scheduled the film so that we could move certain days around the day before so we, we would we would be looking Depending at the weather, the weather and go yeah. right actually we're not going to film that that day tomorrow we're going to film it in two days yeah and we tried to do that and the weather just just kept on changing and yeah. and you know yeah. the, the even though i had five different weather apps they, <laughs> which all said right. sunshine yeah <laughs> it was cloud so yeah. um you know i i wish we would have w- w- could have shot it in the summer or the spring but yeah. i think it's still fine and we had a great dop tim tim siddle who did an amazing job of making mm, it look it like did. summer it did it's fantastic know? i didn't so, once notice and think the weather affected the film at all oh, that's it's good really to hear. good that's yeah. good to hear yeah so modern life is rubbish is um first brought together by their shared love of music 10 years later liam and natalie have reached a breaking point opposites attract but aren't necessarily working long term liam's a struggling musician cannot let go of his vinyl collection and refuses to adapt to a world of smartphones and instant downloads. Natalie has let go of a dream of designing album covers and has become a rising star at her advertising firm. As they make the difficult decision to separate, they start by splitting their prized music library. But the soundtrack that defined their relationship keeps pulling them back together. You on bass? Gus on drums? I'm the guitar and vocals. Hang on, why do you get to be the front man? I could be the front man, like Dave Grohl. If you wanted to be the front man, then you should have learned a different instrument. I wouldn't buy the best of. It's cheating. Like a shortcut to enlightenment. Sorry, do you work here? No. Favourite moment of the year this far? Right now. I got a present for you. Maybe it'll be a lucky charm. Call me old-fashioned. To be able to hold something tangible. To actually have an interaction with something real as soon as we signed all of our problems will be over I promise one of us has to bring in some real cash where's all this coming from I've got no idea do you I gave up my dreams so that you could live yours you don't know what it costs to create something to pull your heart out and get nothing in return you sold out. I don't want to argue. So I guess this is it. It's over. She's moving on, so should you. The best music comes out of pain. Sometimes you have to lose something to know how much you needed it. 
I want to give you everything you've ever wanted. Please come back to me. It's honestly, it's a really cool film. It's really, really well made, intelligent filmmaking. And it's amazing that it's your debut film. It totally makes sense that you've worked on so many other films and what you brought to it. I love the transitions. I mean, you must have really thought about some of them. I bet there was others you wanted to put in, but maybe took out. I don't know. But there's some really clever ways of going from the past, if you like, of their building up of their relationship to the relationship they're having now this film is is a you know a slightly um unconventional love story in the sense mm. that it takes place um it, it it takes place with a couple separating their music collection um at the end of their relationship putting their music collection into boxes as they pack up their flat and mm. separate um and then every time they pick up a, a cd or there's a ticket stub or hear a song we flash back to the past and we see how they they fell in love and and the euphoria of falling in love mm. so we always phil gorfman and i always had this idea that we wanted to uh you know flip back and forth between the past and the present in the pre-production i planned all these transitions i mean the, the shots that you see in the film, you can't really achieve them in post. You no, have to you, you have to design yeah. them. Yes. You know, and so I always had them as as a possibility. And the the little sidebar kind of five hundred days of summer trick of you know moving calendars and mm -hmm. and rewind and fast forward could be something we could do in the edit. Um, but I but um, yeah, the the transitions was something that was designed, and I did want to do more. But one of those transitions can take hours yeah, you know? yeah and when you're filming a low budget film in five weeks with no time and, and you've got yeah. and i've persuaded the producer to let me have four hours of one day to do a 30 second shot yeah you can't do that throughout a movie yeah. you know um because you need another week um yes. so i had to kind of cherry pick the ones that i wanted to do and then use some music cuts and and some clever cutting to to do some of the other stuff did you cut bits out were you cutting yeah stuff we, in the we edit? cut about 20 i'd say 20 minutes of cut scenes so okay. there so somewhere there that's are quite a lot yeah I mean, quite yes. often you go into the edit and your film is made in the edit yes. um yeah. you know you, you you kind of work out which way you want to go mm -hmm. and i think what you do is you you, you see where your strengths are and mm -hmm. certainly the strengths in this movie were you know the amazing chemistry that that josh mm -hmm. whitehouse and freya maver had and when I got into the edit, I, I, you know, me and the editor agreed. We said, right, this is where we need to concentrate our attention. You know, some of these sexy shots that I, that I designed and I shot, we, mm. we took out because mm. it was slowing things down. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, you know, I do miss a few of them. Yeah, of course. But it's the DVD extras, isn't it? You can have a couple there, maybe. I don't think they're on there, unfortunately. Oh, right, um, okay. But um, maybe one day, you know, yeah, I, you I can could do another them. cut yeah. or yeah, something. Another cut, you know? yeah, special But the, I cut. mean, they do say you have to drown your babies yeah. when, you, when you make movies and, yeah. you know, you have to always drive the story. That's the most important thing. Mm. Yeah, it's an it's an indie it's an indie romantic comedy mm, yeah. with with music at its core. Yeah. Oh, perfect! How did you manage to get the music? We got it. Yeah, we were very lucky. We got a music supervisor called Ian Neal, mm. and he's one of the best uh, music supervisors in the world. He does he supervises Guy Ritchie films, Matthew Vaughan films. Right. I mean, if you look him up on IMDb, he's got a hundred movies. How did you get him? And we we sent him the script, and you know I met him and had a beer, and we got mm. on really well. Mm -hmm. He you know he he did an amazing job, and he he's a he's a brilliant music supervisor, mm. and you know I've definitely got to thank him. And he him and um, our music producer Ben Parker, because in in the film there's three tracks, I think three or four tracks where we actually had to design them. Well, of course, because your guys sing them, and yeah. Luckily, Josh by, can sing and play very by, well. Exactly by a fictional band called Head Cleaner, brilliant. And you can actually buy these tracks on on itunes can you right. for 399 because the licorice girl song is fantastic oh, yeah it is, it is a brilliant so cool. it is a brilliant track so we've released the e the ep on itunes has that done well i imagine um, it's done recently i don't right? know yeah we only did, we only released it last week but it, 
I mean, it's an amazing EP. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, so if you the, want to buy that, have the, a, the, the bad, licorice track is worth buying just for that. It's so cool. It was. It's tough to do in film to to create, really is, to write to original it, tracks yeah, actually I, sound good and, and to make it feel real and feel organic and feel like it, that that could actually yeah, happen. Yeah, I think yeah. people take you know people may take that for granted, but mm. a lot of work went into that, mm. and um, it could have we could have really fallen down and fall, you know fallen on our face Definitely. with that because. Um, uh, I've seen a lot of films where the original music's not that great, um, yeah. but we were lucky, and we and, and Josh is an you know an awesome artist and, and actor as well, and I actor, mean, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. he's everything that man. So he's a quadruple threat. Let's go, yeah. let's go with that. <laughs> and and what about the rest of the cast then? Tom Riley, I imagine you got from Da Vinci's Demons when you worked. Yeah, with Tom him there. Tom Riley. I rang Tom up. I rang Stephen McIntosh up, who yeah, plays a great plays well. a small part in the film, but you know he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you know they they were like, yep, yeah, you know we're gonna. We're we're up for helping we're available we're up for helping love you know? that and Ian, and Ian Hart who's doing very well at the moment obviously mm. God's Own Country recently and now this he's like having a wonderful yeah. time Ian Hart I didn't know but uh, but um, Alice got him and um, Alice our casting agent and you know obviously I knew of him and his work but um, mm. and again he, he he said look okay I'll help these guys you know it's a week's work and yeah. it's an indie movie and um, you know we're very grateful then because I think the ensemble cast oh, is is absolutely brilliant really, in the yeah, film. Yeah. It's really of, good. It's one of the strongest parts. Yeah, it definitely is. And Daisy Bevan as well. Really cool. Really cool. She's doing really well at the moment as well. Um, okay, and distribution side of it, how did you manage to sell the film? How did you go about from right finished it? Or you already got pre-sales beforehand? We had a very good sales agent called The Exchange who liked the script and liked my short film, Modern Life is Rubbish, the short and they came on board and they, um, once the film was made, they took it to Cannes, they took it to Berlin, they took it to all the film markets where they are every year mm-hmm. and they sell it to distributors. And, you know, we, we sold, they, they worked and, and got it, you know, got it sold around the world. I mean, I think it's been sold in, in most of the territories around the world. Amazing. The universal deal was, there was a lot of pre-sales done with universal. So, um, the deal that we had with them is that they have, they put in investment and they they have certain territories in advance. Some people do that. It's it's called a pre-sale. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how we got it. Yeah, how we how we got it distributed. You know? Amazing and nice to have Universal involved for you. I mean, that must feel amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And they they you know they're going to be releasing the film on um, DVD and home entertainment on the seventh of May. Seventh um, of May. So that's uh, Monday. Yeah. Of next week. And um, yeah, they're doing a really great marketing campaign, and it's it's great to have them on board. Um, they they were you know fans of the the movie you know in pre production, and you know now they've bought the UK. So it's amazing. in terms of like now you've got this film out there, what has that opened any doors for you, or where what's next? Yeah, I mean Question. it's absolutely opened loads of doors. I, I got signed with CAA in America. I've just been to LA and 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 had a whole bunch of meetings. Um, it, and those meetings, what kind of, what kind of, what, yeah, what do they entail? Is it just a hello? Yeah, so, some of them. Are you are, pitching as project, or is it more? Hey, nice to meet you. Um, some of them are general meetings. Some of them, you know, I've written two feature films, co-written two feature films in the yeah. last year. So mm. some of them are. Ta- uh, some so of the during meetings. post, you're always you had other stuff lined up. Um, I, you know, something I wasn't really doing anything during post apart from concentrating on the film. Yeah. So I, I, I wasn't doing that. It was, it was after the movie finished, um, which was about a year ago. Um, then I started thinking about other projects and, you know, teaming up with writers. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I think this film is definitely opening doors. Um, mm. You know, I've got American agents. I've met with writers who are more interested in working with me um, because I've got a film yeah. and, you know, getting in the room with loads of great people. Uh, and it and it hasn't come out yet. So you know, in the UK, it comes out tomorrow. So I'm sure. That's great. I'm sure more doors will keep opening. And yeah. um, my my advice again is to you know get out there and, and and make a movie. You know, make a short film, make a one minute promo, make make anything, um, and uh, you know get it to festivals. Um, and you know, things will happen. Bang on people's doors. Give yeah. it to them, make them see it. Absolutely. Bang on people's doors, you know, and just, just make some material. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it may not be, your first movie may not be, your first short film may not be a hit, mm-hmm. but then make another one and eventually, you know, uh, you'll learn and you'll make something great and, and people will see it and it will open up doors. This is brilliant, Daniel. Thank you so much Thanks, for your Daniel. time. Pleasure, Pleasure. Buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Where nice. can people follow you online in the social world? Um, well, the very small followers that I have are on on uh, Twitter, 
which I believe is Daniel J. Gill. Yep. It's my handle. Mm -hmm. And um, on Instagram, it's Daniel Jerome Gill okay. um, on, on Instagram. Um, and then, you know, please come and see the movie. Uh, it's on, um, it's starting tomorrow, 4th of May at 10 Picture House Cinemas uh, in the UK, five in London. Mm -hmm. It will be on for a week. Uh, really appreciate your support. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's very hard uh, pushing um, a British film when you've got, you know, the hundreds of millions of, of, <laughs> Avengers. of the Avengers. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. I was in, I was in, uh, I was in Brixton Ritzy just an hour ago where yeah. one of our film, where the film is being played. Um, and I was sort of speaking to the manager, trying to get him to uh, play our trailer a few more times a day. Right. Um, oh. yeah. and, <laughs> but how great that you went down to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and did someone say to you, you got to go do that? Or do you think, oh, I'll just go do it? Uh, I just did it. Good yeah. for you. And, yeah. uh, and I did the same with the Crouch End Picture House this morning. I went there and just, check that the poster was up which it wasn't so i've you know Great, i've asked yeah. them to put it up and they've done that now oh, and, see and if you hadn't have done that it wouldn't have gone up yeah the trailers wouldn't have so been we played. so the, the moral of the story is that we really are fighting even at this stage mm. to get people to come and see the movie yeah um and it's you know it's an indie british film so mm -hmm. you know i i urge your your listeners to to, to come and see it please you know, do and, and show support for british indie movies do absolutely and if you're not in london or you can't do that then but they can buy it on the seventh of May. They can they can uh, download, download it. it on the seventh of May uh, or where buy can, it. Or where can you download it? Uh, iTunes, um, I think Sky Store. Mm -hmm. uh, it will be on DVD at HMV. Um, so you, you can you can buy a physical copy if mm -hmm. you want a physical copy. And it is on some other screens um, around the UK. It's on uh, at Liverpool, Edinburgh, um, York, mm -hmm. Cambridge. Um, and uh, yeah, those those cinemas as well Love as the it. London ones. Yeah, Love that. Um, and if you're not following Daniel on Twitter, then I suggest you do that because we should all support indie filmmakers, as you know, is what we do and push as much as possible and why it doesn't make sense to me why people don't straight away go follow our guests. Uh, if you've listened to them and you like them, which you will do, follow them. Follow Daniel, send him a message, tell him how much you liked his trailer, tell him how much you liked his short film, tell him how much you liked this podcast, and then watch his film. And I'm sure he'll respond to you. But let's get Daniel's Twitter followers up. Let's get all our Twitter followers up, because the more of us that are together and banded as a group, the more stuff will get made and indie filmmakers can keep making films. We're here to support you, and we will do what we can. Support back. Um, you can follow me at Giles Alderson on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Filmmakers Pod, where you can send us your crowdfunders, your indie film campaigns, or your films or your screenings, and we'll shout them out from the rooftops as much as we can. CJ, where can people follow you? At C James Direct. Follow me there. Follow him there. If you aren't following him already, then you're an idiot. Because <laughs> CJ just retweets my stuff. Exactly. That's why I just retweet other people's stuff. Occasionally I write one. You occasionally. Do. You do. You do. And it's usually from your instagram that's yeah, right that's absolutely that's, right yeah. that's all good listen thank you very much for listening we really do appreciate it we hope you learned something from today daniel thank you for your time thank you for having me can't wait for everyone to see this brilliant film thanks daniel pleasure cheers guys take care bye-bye <laughs>